Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott, physically distancing as always in the midst of a tornado warning. Scott, hello, Sean. We're okay, yes, no more tornado threat. That's good. Uh, I did step outside for a second, and the winds were nothing, it was dead calm, and it Ooh. was creepy. Yeah, that is kind of eerie. Like dead calm and so quiet. Mm. Not yeah, you, you never like that. But uh, no, we're okay. I don't think that any cell developed that produced a tornado, although I'll wait for my colleague's report on that tomorrow. But uh, no, some pretty impressive looking cells, but uh, no tornadoes as far as I can tell. Oh, that's good. So uh, I did see some images of some downed trees and stuff. So some wild weather here in the nation's capital as we record this. But let's get into the world of curling because over the past few weeks, a lot of news has come out. We want to do a full rundown of everything that's going on in the world of curling, both at the elite level and at the club level. A lot of developments and not many of them are positive, Scott, uh, when we look at the landscape of curling and the possibility of having a full 2020-2021 season at any level of competition. Yeah, yeah, there's uh, not a lot of uh, positive news came out today, but, uh, you know, we'll try to cover all of it as best we can and sort of talk about what it means in the bigger picture. Yeah, so let's start with probably the biggest announcement that has been made thus far. This was last week, and it is that Curling Canada will not be holding the Canada Cup as scheduled late November into early December out there in Fredericton. It was the first time it was going to go east of Manitoba, and uh, it will not take place out there in Fredericton. Now, it's important to note that Catherine Henderson, who is the CEO of Curling Canada, did state unequivocally when they announced the Men's World Championships was coming to Ottawa that Curling Canada would have a full season of champions next year. Mm -hmm. I am doubtful that that will be the case. I think the con I, I think we can just the Continental Cup won't. I think that's gone. Like let's we can I think we can write that one off. For sure. But the Canada Cup is more important for Curling Canada because it has that automatic entry into the Olympic trials. Mm -hmm. So, Scott, with the postponement of this, two questions. First, how hard do you think they're going to try to get the Canada Cup played? And second, what impact do you think this has on the teams who would be normally gearing up for that event? Well, I think they are going to do everything they can to put on this event because, as you say, it's so important in terms of qualification for the Olympic trials. And for better or worse, curling is now geared around the Olympics. 
uh, as we all know. So uh, what was important in this announcement was that uh, we're going to talk about these other events, the Mixed Championship and the uh, Everest Club Championships. Those were canceled. The Canada Cup was postponed. And it was very clearly said that it was postponed and they're going to do their best to put this event into the spring. I I think we're going to talk a bit about what that means uh, for the rest of the season of champions, but uh, the Canada cup is going to happen if curling happens at all this year. Yeah. I, I, I should say next, next spring. Yeah. I think that the trouble that curling Canada is going to have is finding a spot on the schedule to hold it. Because once you get into January, you're running up against provincial championships and then the Briar and then the Scotties and then the world championships. And there is no way that the teams will agree to have the Canada Cup played during the world championship because one of them won't be there. Like, the, like let's be honest, mm-hmm. and this is something that we'll get to a little later, who actually has a chance to win the Briar and the Scotties. But it's it's the case that then the Canada Cup would have to be played in April. And, of course, the Grand Slams are planning on having their two events of the season in April. So it's weird to say that in the midst of all sorts of cancellations and all the restrictions that are going on right now, that Curling Canada has a scheduling problem to try to find a place to fit in this particular event. The place to put it i think naturally would be in that slot that is currently held for the continental cup i I think that's the obvious choice i think that is the place to put it and it's early january it's before provincials for at least provincials for the teams that would be playing in the canada cup so that's where i'm looking at a rescheduling of the canada cup because as you say i do think Curling Canada will try really hard to get it in. The other side of this, though, is if they don't get it in, I don't think it's the end of the world just to say we have another spot available on points. The teams that play in this are obviously the top teams on the CTRS. To give another spot two points for the trials, I don't think the teams are going to argue too, too much about that, given that that they're going to get in anyway on points, a couple of them. So, I, I you know, th- there is an incentive to do it for Curling Canada and for TSN. I don't think it's quite as big of an incentive, certainly as the World Curling Federation it has, to get the World Championships played this year. But it is more important than the Continental Cup. So, and this is, I, I'm basing this on my own speculation. I haven't heard anything concrete from anybody, but that's the, that's the slot in the schedule that I would be looking for, for rescheduled Canada cup. Yeah. And I, th- I think, you know, we were talking a bit before we got started today. I think we both agree that the continental cup is the one to go here. Oh, yeah. right. It's, it's like not important really if TSN can replace it with, something better, which would be the Canada cup. They will. Yeah. Uh, it's sort of a no brainer. Yeah. They have a building Uh, book. They have a building already set for it. There there would be obviously the, it wouldn't be in Fredericton, right? You just do everything where you're already planning to be. So the logistics of it are super easy. 
Well, not not super easy because you add you have to add another sheet, and yes, there's more people coming in, but yeah. it's it's not like you have to book a whole new location. No, I I have a couple of questions for you, Sean. Yeah, would Curling Canada be open to hosting the men's event and the women's event separately, in in view of social distancing rules and making it less people on site potentially yeah and you could have a situation and where the women's final is on wednesday afternoon a la saskatchewan scotties uh oh i was gonna i was gonna give the women the back weekend but (laughs) yeah but i you could yeah you certainly could do that i i do think though that with the canada cup it's it would be relatively easy i think to have it so that the men and women never see each other, right? You could have them completely separated at different hotels. They're never in the building at the same time together. I don't think that would be that difficult to isolate them. The The cost of getting either an additional place to run the events or the inconvenience or struggle of having nine teams needing to play eight games and playoffs over the course of what three or four days without so it would take away it, it would mean teams playing three games in a day if you had them one after the other in one location I, I don't know how fair that would be to the players or how how much the players would want to do that so i, I think the more likely scenario is that you have the men and women in their own little bubbles of sorts and they never come into contact with each other well sean you're never going to enforce that bubble because so many of the curlers are uh uh, related but they don't stay together when they're on tour and they're at events no for the most part obviously there are going to be some exceptions but because the teams are paying for it right so the the teams stay with themselves just for the accounting side of it okay uh so so that was my first question and then obviously we have to get into the second question which i don't i don't think we are fans of but uh it's the reality is that would they just scrap the scotties and briar provincial playdowns and everything and have the canada cup be the determining factor for who goes to worlds I would say in this particular case, no, because if you can host those events, you really want to, um, particularly if you're TSN, right? Somebody needs to talk to TSN about mm-hmm. this. It's eight days of nine hours of television. That is a huge amount of tonnage for TSN in March to have those two events run. It's two weeks out of three weeks that they're wall to wall and they know exactly what they're doing. They make money off of it to put that down to the five day Canada Cup. If they run it as normal, like it's such a huge loss of programming for TSN that I don't think they would be interested in that at all. The other thing that I want to know about all these or from all these people who are pushing for the Canada Cup to become the national championship. I I don't know what problem that 
is looking to solve, right? It seems to me like a solution without a problem because the way I see it, the teams that represent Canada at international events are the teams who are participating in the Canada Cup anyway. They're the top level teams. No one is getting through and winning the Briar and the Scotties who isn't capable of winning a world championship. So I don't understand the push to change things. Like, do we really think that Chelsea Carey missed the playoffs at the world championship in 2019 because she played New Brunswick in the Scotties? Like that, that's insane to me that the presence of teams that don't have a chance to win the national championship at an event somehow compromises teams when they go to international events. I do not see a connection between the two. If you want to make a case that we have to rearrange the residency rules, that I can see. If you want to just go to, you pick a province where one of your players lives and you play out of that province, I'm fine with that. But the idea of putting the Canada Cup as the national championship, or even worse, putting the Briar and the Scotties as basically like a club championship, and the Canada Cup is for the elite players. We already have enough stories of the elite players not being nice to some of the mid middle class teams. And to further isolate them, I, I really think it's bad for the sport. And to, to just say, all right, here are the teams that matter. Everybody else doesn't. That mindset already exists within some levels of the sport and within Curling Canada itself emphasizing that or making it like or just having it be the the case all the time by making the Briar and the Scotties an amateur event no elite teams I actively dislike that and again that's something that somebody would have to go talk to TSN about because how are they going to feel where all the players who they have marketed for years and years and years are not going to be in these events so mm -hmm. I kind of like the way the Briar and the Scotties are now. I like this format. They've made provisions on the men's side from 10 years ago. There's two teams now, additional teams that have a chance to win. On the women's side, you have one additional team that has a legitimate chance to win. So the fields are stronger. I love the initial round robin to cut teams out. So you get to see everybody in the field and then you get down to the teams that really have a chance. It makes everything feel important. It kind of, the, the parallel I would give it is like the NCAA basketball tournaments. Like, does the fact that like the Citadel gets in, does that mean that the champion is not worthy? Like, no, it makes it kind of fun. And it's cool to see everybody in this different format. And, and okay, I will stop monologuing in a second. But the other thing is I don't like the idea of every curling event being the same. We complain about it during the season with the Grand Slams. The, every Grand Slam is the exact same, except for the one where they do triple knockout to get the, to the exact same playoff format as every other one. And the Scotians and the Briars offer something different, both in terms of the teams we get to see and in the format. So I kind of like the way it's set up. I It's not perfect by any means, but... I don't think it puts Canada at a competitive disadvantage internationally and it still is, or they still are the biggest events on the curling calendar. So for all of those reasons, 
I think that Curling Canada and TSN would prioritize the Briar and the Scotties over a Canada Cup if you can't get a Canada Cup going in January. I yield my time. Wow, Sean. Wow. Uh, going to the Citadel. Um, the, <laughs> the, the, the Citadel last won their uh, conference in 1927. So cool story about that. I <laughs> I will say I agree with you. And part of part of like the the Briar and the Scotties having the great teams there is that young teams come up and they get games against all these elite teams, right? Yeah. The first year Brendan Botcher is at the Briar. Were they three and eight? Yeah, something like that. And, and I'm sure that they learned from being in the spotlight and having a chance to play games against the best teams because at that point they're not doing it. Krista McCarvel's rank comes to the Scotties every year. They play in one or two big spiels, a few other small ones, but that's it. And they're able to compete because they've been there before. They know what it's like. And because Chris McCarvel is an amazing player. Yes. But, but like, like you say, if you make the Briar and the Scotties amateur only, you risk never graduating anybody out of that into the professional ranks right and and so like what fun is it if you're the new kid going to your first uh, slam that you got an invite to because you uh, won a, a spiel at home and you've never played against these players you've only seen them once or twice on tv instead of every year for two weeks on tv like it really doesn't make a lot of sense to separate things more than they're already separate. Yeah. Uh, it, curling is still the only sport where I, who is sitting here in my chair in my living room can in theory win a national championship. Yes. In right. Theory. Like, <laughs> but, but like all I have to do is pay the entry fee and I get the chance to try. Yeah. Like, like there's something magical about that. And, you know, sort of taking that aspect away from curling and saying, just because you want to win, you're not allowed to. Right. I, I think that's something that damages the sport. It damages the sport at the grassroots. Like, well, why am I even playing curling? If, uh, if I'm a junior, that's what I'm thinking. Right. Like, it's, it's the wrong way to go. That said, given that we may be not able to host enough events this year to legitimately get to a provincial champion and then a Briar and a Scotties, like if you think about it, all the qualifier events, yeah. uh, it's usually you know two or th three, minimum two events to get to a provincial champion. Like it, that's a lot of coordination that's going to happen. It's a lot of distancing. And if we can't do it, and we make this year Canada Cup only. I'm not happy about it, but I understand it. My my fear with that is that it's opening Pandora's box, and you do it yeah. once, and if, if that becomes the the go to. Uh, the other thing I'll say too is I think provincial championships matter, and I think they should matter. And if you go away from the current structure, then provincial championships 
no longer matter. Sort of the mm-hmm. way the mixed doubles provincial championships, they sort of matter, but not really in terms of getting into a national championship. So, mm-hmm. Scott, I, I've come up with an idea that I want to run by you because oh a lot of the argument for changing the system is that entries are down at the provincial championship level, which is certainly true in most of the country. Mm-hmm. And therefore, if we w- allowed the Briar to be more of an amateur championship, more people would participate. Here's my alternative. And it, it leads us into the club national championship, which hasn't taken off to the extent that I think currently Canada has wanted it to take off. So mm-hmm. here's my idea. The curling club national championship, the men's takes place in the same city at the same time as the Briar. The women's takes place in the same city at the same time as the Scotties. And in the venue for those events, there is a fifth sheet added. And every draw, there is a game from the club national championship that takes place in the arena. The other games take place at the curling club that is hosting the event. Uh, this is I don't think a lot of people know this, but every Scotties and Briar is hosted by a curling club officially. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. The, the club national championship takes place at that curling club. And then one game they get to everyone will get to play on the arena ice. The playoffs for the club championship take place on the arena ice, including the final. And then we get this merging or a further merging of the club level, the the great club level middle class players and the elite players playing on the same ice at the same time. I I think this would incentivize teams and players to try for that club championship uh, and go to those provincials. Maybe it helps encourage people as they get some reps on arena ice. Maybe that lets them or encourages them to enter provincial championships on the other side and i don't see the downside to this i think there's a it's a win-win-win for everybody involved it decreases cost on curling canada's end to a certain degree at having to run separate events at separate places by bringing resources together in a city where is the downside in doing this could you say that maybe there will be more people going for the club championship versus the 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 broader provincial championship it is possible but right now that level of participation isn't that high either so right. Uh, right when people when the argument is that you know people aren't entering provincial playdowns true but people also aren't really entering provincial club playdowns either so the argument right. that, oh, I live in Ontario, I'm not going to enter the men's provincials because John Epping's there. But people also aren't entering the club championship provincials either. And mm-hmm. John Epping's not there. So, you know, I think there has to be just some incentive to get people to want to play in these events. So that's my idea to incentivize it. The other bonus of this is I would very much look forward to the stories coming out about elite players being kind of pissy about having people who are putting guards through the house on the same ice as them. 
Although if you're at the club national championship, you're not doing that. You're, you're a pretty good player. You're pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a fun idea idea and it gives some prestige to the event. It allows something like when we were at the continental cup in London and the America's challenge was happening, Brazil against Canada and so TSM could cut away to it and show Brazil stealing a point yep. against Glenn Howard and the crowd going crazy. Yep. Uh, it would provide some some of those sort of story moments for TSN. Yeah, I, I kind of like it. Yeah, and I think what you do is during the playoffs of the Briar and the Scotties, the club championship games start an hour earlier. There are only eight ends, I believe. And so when the you know, one, two game of the Scotties is in the third or fourth end, that other game is finishing. So you can do the cutaways to it, but it doesn't distract from the majority of the game. Well, then, you know, the, the club game is going to have to pause while Stu talks to the crowd and gets everyone right. No, that, no that's, I, that's part of my math here that Stu goes away. Because <laughs> <laughs> we don't oh, have on. that anymore. We, we, we got a Help him land on his feet somewhere. He, he can't be out of a job. Yeah, he can go work with a Jungle Gym, I guess. <laughs> somewhere. So, uh, Fair so, so I, yeah, I so, so that's my idea. Yeah, it's uh, not a bad idea. I want to hear yeah. what other people have to say about this idea. Yeah, let us know what you think and uh, about that particular idea, or just if, if we're completely missing the point on this Briar Scotty stuff, because, again, it, to me, it just seems like a, a solution without a, that is looking for a problem. Uh, because I, I'm not entirely sure the problem it's looking to solve. And and if the case is competitive or Canada being competitive in international events, I think you look more at residency rules than how teams are qualifying for international events. So that does lead us in, Scott, to the mixed and club championships that have been canceled. This is not surprising, particularly since the World Curling Federation announced the cancellation of the World Mixed this mm-hmm. year, which was going to be in Aberdeen. As part of this announcement, Curling Canada did say that the 2019 champions of the mixed will represent Canada at the 2021 Worlds. So there's no offshoot in terms of representation of Canada internationally for this. Uh, and I believe it was Team Quebec who won last year. So they'll still get to go next year. So that's kind of nice when we talked about it on the live stream with the guys from Rocks Across the Pond, I was kind of lamenting the cancellation of the World Mix because that's an event that, for a lot of those players, that'll be their only opportunity to play internationally. So it's nice that, mm-hmm. at least in the Canadian context, those those folks will get to go. But overall, my takeaway from these events being canceled is just a further recognition or acknowledgement from Curling Canada as to what Curling Canada's priorities are. And... It sh- I guess it should be the Olympics because that's where a lot of their funding comes from. But no sense of of needing or looking at rescheduling these events, just straight canceling them. It's kind of sad to me, but I don't know what the alternative would have been. Yeah, exactly. And these events are frankly not moneymaker events. No, they're sort of. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call them loss leaders, but they're sort of like cost neutral events as opposed to the world championships is which is where they make 
a lot of their money. So it's it's not good, but it is not unexpected. No. I mean, if things are going to get canceled, these are sort of the things at the top of the pecking order. Uh, these also don't impact Olympics in any way. Uh, the world champion or world mixed championships. There's no mixed at the Olympics. So yeah, they're kind of the obvious ones to go. We know things are getting canceled. There's almost no way around it. Um, so I'm, I'm not surprised. No, it, it's just a bit of a bummer and uh, we'll see what mm -hmm. happens with the club championships and those teams that had qualified for it. Again, a rare opportunity to represent your province at a national event. So we'll see what they come up with there. They, they made some provisions at the junior level. Now the juniors weren't canceled. They just switched the timing of it. And so they made some provisions in terms of national representation with the juniors. We'll see what they come up with for the club championships. I think it'd be cool that if there is a season this year and there are new provincial winners for the nationals or, or for the, the club championship, you just blow it out and you have you know 32 teams at the the next club nationals. Just have a huge event for it and let everybody mm -hmm. go if they want to. Yeah, why not, eh? Yeah, I see no downside to that. So, uh, so that's just uh, unfortunate news from Curling Canada there. Um, the results, too, is that some provinces have started canceling events. Again, not surprising. You don't need to have a provincial mixed or a provincial club championship if there's no nationals to go to. So a lot of provinces have announced cancellations of events that would lead into these things and postponements as well. So we're seeing it filter down to the provincial level. And on top of that, Scott, let's get into the clubs because obviously this all leads back to the clubs. Um, several clubs across the country have announced that they will not be proceeding with junior curling or little rock curling at least until christmas some all season citing the lack of children before social distancing uh mm -hmm. you know we have a, a little niece who is big on hugs so you know kids like to run around and and touch each other so that doesn't seem that surprising to me that they would want to cancel that also the the need to have instruction curling instruction is pretty close together so yeah. you, you, you it's hard to distance when you're instructing as a result a lot of clubs have also announced no rentals this season and and, then, and also for safety not just for instructing yes yeah safety as well for sure yeah. Uh, also for that, Scott, uh, the biggest news that we've gotten so far, I think, at the club level, the first club in the country to confirm a cancellation for the for the entire season in Chatham, Ontario. So that's southwestern Ontario. It's past London, if anyone doesn't know where that is. They announced that they are going to close for the entire 2020-2021 season. In the announcement it was cited that when they did their survey, 40% of their membership declared that they would not be returning to play this season, therefore making it financially impossible for the club to run. So what are your thoughts? Um, it's not too surprising. Uh, it's, it's sad that they're not going to be able to make it work all season. You know, you'd think they would be able to make it for at least – after Christmas. Yeah. 
Um, but you know, it's the world in which we live and, and it's, I, unfortunately, I don't think it's the first one that we're going to see. No. So there has been some hinting on Twitter of other clubs who have decided to close for the season, but have yet to announce it. And I, I was honestly a little bit surprised that the Chatham announcement didn't give other clubs a bit of cover that they didn't want to be the first one. Uh, so Chatham's out and others will. Uh, but w- I, we will for sure see other clubs. I, I think to where Chatham is just geographically kind of would influence those results on the survey. Yeah. It, you know, in the part of Ontario that was one of the last or the last to get into phase three, uh, I believe an older community as well. So not that surprising given the context of, of where the club is. Uh, another announcement that came out today as we record this, Scott, Nanaimo announced that they are pushing back their opening to the end of October, and they cited the return to school as the reason. So in their yes. announcement, they said that this will give them time to see how back to school goes in British Columbia, back to school in BC. I believe I saw it was the 10th of September. It got pushed back, uh, I guess, Um to the 10th so this now gives Nanaimo the Nanaimo curling club a chance to see if back to school leads to any sort of outbreak or if there's a return to shutdowns out there it gives them time before they put in their ice to see how things are going in the region yeah buying a little bit of extra time uh, is is really a good idea I, I think we'll see more and more clubs following this kind of model Let's wait and see. Uh, the Milton Curling Club uh, posted on their website uh, either last night or today about having a member a member fee imposed upon all members as a a sort of COVID fee, and that way, what it would do is uh, every member would pay this fee and it would hold their spot for next year, should the club not open. Uh, or have to shut down early, and then there would be membership fees imposed on top of that for playing privileges. So it would basically grant everyone a sort of social membership to the club with the returning privileges, uh, and it would act as a barrier for the club to still be able to pay some basic things, uh, you know, yeah. uh, rent, hydro. hydro, all this stuff, that the the overhead expenses that have to get paid no matter what, uh, sort of keeps the club solvent while they wait and see what's going to happen. Yeah, and, and that makes a lot of sense to me. And I do wonder if, you know, clubs close. Uh, that I, I like this idea financially, and you can only ask members to do it if they can pay for it, if you're not offering curling, certainly. But almost like a Patreon model where if the club is closed, maybe somebody in the club organizes something for those members whether it's digital or something else like little events things that they can do to make it feel like they're still getting something for that membership and just to keep Mm. the spirit of the the club alive in some way keep that community going that i think that'll be interesting to see if folks do that it feels like the virtual broom stacking that was going on through the summer like something like that but at the a micro club level 
just to keep people invested and, and going into the club if there is no curling. Yeah, maybe some some like online bridge tournaments or yeah uh, different different things to like you're you're right to keep the membership engaged because uh, if the club pulls away, they risk losing the membership. You know. Yeah. So, but but you know the needs for funds to get through the winter that's going to exist at facilities all across the country. Mm-hmm. So you know if members can do it. I think that they will be asked to at a lot of yeah. places across the country. Yeah. And I, I like, you know, we've talked about is curling charging enough Are curling clubs charging enough. And, you know, I, I don't think anybody can say to them, Oh, you guys are flush with cash. Why are you making me pay a hundred dollar fee? Right. So, you know, like I said, if, or like you said, if you can pay it, uh, we should be doing that. Yeah. And uh, just in general, a lot of the survey results that have been made public tend to show a majority of people in clubs willing to return and wanting to return to play this season. Now, obviously, some of these were done in July and, and June in some cases. So as mm-hmm. we get closer to the season, it seems to be changing a little bit is the sense I'm getting the same way that in July it was schools have to open five days a week, no matter what in person everywhere across the country. And now as we get closer to it, there seems to be a little bit more, I don't know, no fear, but trepidation and, and it wanting to ensure that everything is safe. So as things get closer and closer, it seems like attitudes might be changing on the curling side of it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens once clubs have to start putting ice in in order to get the season going, because that's really where the investment is for the season is putting that ice in and our members 100% committed to going and playing if the ice is put in. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, still a lot to be determined for sure. And uh, curling geek is keeping track of all that over at his website curlinggeek.com yeah so there's a whole covid section there for club openings and uh, some survey results as well and also some sample the, rules that uh, clubs are putting in it's kind yes. of a good a good way to see how your club is stacking up against sure. others and of course the great curling lounge simulator where you can uh, see how much space you need depending on how big your uh, facility is yeah i was just playing around with it it's uh uh seems like there's lots of violations. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anything else, Scott, at the club level? Let me think. I, I don't think so. I don't think so. All right. So uh, let's move on to something then that there's no confirmation that this will happen. There's no even confirmation. I think that it will be voted on. But it was floated at the World Curling Federation's meeting last week. And this, Scott, is something that I really like. You're a little less in on it than I am. But the idea is to replace the Pacific Asia Curling Championships with a transcontinental curling championship, which would combine the Pacific Asia zone and the America zone into one event. This would mean that... Canada and the United States 
potentially Brazil and Mexico as well, would be playing off against teams from the Pacific Asia region for world championship spots every year, the same way that the Euros do it. Uh, the Pacific Asia Championship already does this. It would just be adding in the Americas zone and presumably the two spots in the World Championship from the Americas zone would combine with the ones from the Pacific Asia zone. I really like this idea. You don't. Why not? Well, you, you mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, the people who are proponents of the Canada Cup choosing Canada's rep at, at Worlds are a solution looking for a problem. I see this as like, who is, who is really sad about this? Is it Brazil? That's our Mexico that feels like they don't have a shot to get to the worlds because Canada and the U S are there all the time. I, I just, I don't know really who this benefits other than maybe the fourth team in the Pacific Asia region. Uh, what I mentioned to you yesterday was that as long as we're going to continue ha having Canada host one of the two world championships each year, Canada is guaranteed a spot in those events. Yes. A and, and so then basically it's the U S has to go and play against all the teams from the Pacific Asia region to get in. Uh, I think it's a little bit unfair to have the U.S. and and Mexico and Brazil, but to have the U.S. have to go because likely this will take place in Asia somewhere. Yeah. Like they have to go and do this every every year. So I sort of wonder why. I guess like so that U.S. doesn't get an automatic spot. Like I wouldn't be worried about Canada not getting a spot out of this because it would be four spots they'd be playing for four spots instead of three well five in years that canada isn't hosting right okay so yeah i just i don't really know who it benefits um to, tell me why i'm wrong so uh, he, the reason i'm excited about it or i think it's it'd be fun is that it's another high level competition early in the season i think that uh, it's easy to decide who goes for Canada. If it happens at the same time as the Pacific Asian Championship happens now, then the team that goes is the team that won the Scotties and the Briar the year before. Easy. It's an, an extra thing that you get to do as Team Canada. Uh, so that, fine. That, that I have no problem with that. I like it because, well, one, you want to talk about elite players getting pissy about you know not elite players being around. Curling Canada when they had to set up the thing for the, the challenge, when Brazil challenged to get a spot in the world championship and they had to play Canada because the United mm -hmm. States had the automatic berth because it was in Vegas, curling Canada lost their shit over that. Um, at least, well, I, I mean, I don't know how they actually felt like in the boardrooms and stuff. How it went down in the moment, they were not pleased that they had to do it. So yeah. getting Canada out of this, or curling Canada, out of this mindset that it's their birthright to be in every world championship and I think to a certain extent win every curling world curling championship could be a good thing for the organization. Just one. Two, it would give us in Canada as fans more exposure to the uh, teams from the Pacific Asia region who we don't get to see all that much. So I'd be in for that. Those are fun teams 
that when we see them, whether it's at the Grand Slams or at the World Championship, they can play. So more great events for them, more exposure in North America I'm in on for for that reason. And I think it could potentially be beneficial to other countries in the America zone who wanna who wanna play and play more seriously because if you have if there is a B event and those teams can go play in the B event and it's not showing up once a year getting killed in a best of five series, three games to nothing. You can go get serious reps. I think that could be good for the sport, not only in the America zone, but also in the Pacific Asia zone. Some of those teams, those, those nations that are just developing a curling program, having a place to go be competitive, I think would be beneficial to them. So for that reason, I like it. I think too, that one of the reasons I, I'm not sure who gets to vote on this. I would assume all members of the World Curling Federation would get to vote on this. I think the European countries would vote for this unanimously because they're sort of annoyed that Canada and the United States don't have to play, really, for their spots right now. And they can just show up, whereas the Euros is a very competitive event. Yes, there are teams who are going to get in pretty much all the time without much risk, but, you know, just having to, we're wanting Canada and the United States to have to play through something to get in. I do think that there is an appetite for that in other parts of the world. And I don't necessarily see the downside to it. I understand, I, I get what you're saying that what is the problem that this is trying to solve? And I, I agree that I don't know if there necessarily is a problem from a Canadian perspective, from other countries though looking at the America zone as not really a competitive zone right now, maybe that's what they're looking at and saying the Americas, those two countries that are participating at a serious level in the Americas have an easier path than the rest of us do. So maybe just balancing out the field or the path to get into the field for the world. I, uh, I guess so. I guess so. Uh, there would still be more, federations in the european zone than the combined americas and asia pacific and they get more spots and the europeans get more spots yeah 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 uh sean i didn't see is there provisions for the countries that win to get back automatically at the world's like, like uh, a defending champion? Yeah, like if Sweden has won the world championship, does Sweden get a spot in next year's world championship automatically? I don't know. It's a good question, though. Yeah, we need uh, Jonathan on the line here. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, like, I I guess I understand. The, the issue that I see with what you said regarding, oh, there's another event to watch. Like I said, this will likely be somewhere in the Pacific who's watching it in Canada overnight. And from a, a partner perspective, like I don't see TSN really champing at the bit to get uh, a, another TV sort of property that they're going to show in the middle of the night. Yeah, but maybe they wouldn't even have to produce it 
though. You know, if it's coming from Asia, they could pick up the feed from someone else, probably the World Curling Federation feed, and there would be World Curling Federation folks there to call it or not call it if it's a you know 2 a.m. Eastern game. And the there would be primetime games in the East, in Canada, in the morning draws overseas. So there would be some benefit to TSN and something for them to show out of it that I think could be had at a low cost if they're comfortable showing the World Curling Federation feed. Okay. Can you guess there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven member associations in the America zone? Okay. I'll give you Canada, US, Mexico, Brazil. Yes. Can That's you the name ones that one? I've already mentioned. Can you name one of the other three? Um That's uh, that's probably harder than it, it should be. How this about how about I want to say I think one of the islands is um, what about Panama? I know it's not an island. But... Uh, no, no. So uh, the ones we're looking for here are Guyana. Oh yes, Guyana. Yes, I knew yes. that. Yeah, you did know that. I did know also, that one. Also, uh, the Dominican Republic. Oh, I didn't know that. And the U.S. Virgin Islands. Okay. All right. So there you go. So they're all eligible to compete in the America's Cup. I believe last, was it last year that all th- or that Mexico and Brazil participated for the first time. I believe so. Yes. So uh, so yeah. So we'll see we'll see what happens with that vote again. If it's open to the entirety of the World Curling Federation membership, I would expect that to go forward just from the European countries voting for it. And I would expect fully Canada and the United States to be a hard no on that proposal. Yeah, so we'll see how much lobbying they can do uh, between now and the virtual Congress, uh, which will take place at the start of September. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Because I believe that will be voted on. The other thing they're going to vote on, Sean, is uh, whether or not to let players communicate with coaches alternates and other officials team officials in between ends right which seems to me like a no-brainer but it's it's at the world level where they have them sort of separated and off the ice level yeah i think that's an easy yes for a lot of countries and and for the world curling federation too if for no other reason that they'll save money on having to put all that scaffolding up to keep the player or to keep the alternates and the coaches 20 feet above the ice yeah yeah and you know like the coaches are going to have to invest in better binoculars probably but yeah uh, that's that's all you can get them on amazon they're not not too expensive yeah um yeah so we'll see what the the result of that vote is when they have it later this year so i think that catches us up on all the news scott actually sean one quick piece of news that i found while uh browsing today is that uh, COVID-19 has helped Team Andrea Crawford stay together for another year. They were planning on breaking up, uh-huh. but uh, they decided to get back together. And uh, Sylvie Quinlan, who I believe used to be known as Sylvie Robichaux, has joined the team. So wow, uh, looks like it's going to be a pretty strong squad uh, I was Jill Babin's partner was getting posted out, but uh, the pandemic delayed it. So they're staying in the Oromocto area. 
Nice. And uh, Jen Armstrong is the one who's moving away. So, okay. you know, it's going to be another uh, strong squad there from the Aramukto. Yeah, I mean, having Sylvie on that team does strengthen it significantly. Yeah, and I I think, uh, you know, they could make some noise and maybe qualify for that uh, championship pool. Yeah, I mean, well, we saw her this year be very competitive, right? So there's certainly uh, nothing stopping them in that regard. So, uh, yeah, all the best to them. That's good news. We always like seeing Andrew Crawford at the Scotties. Another reason, don't change the format. Darn right. Andrea Crawford, Jamie Murphy. <laughs> Case putting, closed. Putting rocks in play. People who will mix it up, put rocks in play. All exactly. Good. Yeah. So uh, so there's the news from the world of curling. There were also a couple of baby announcements this week, but I can't remember who they were. And I feel bad for that. So congratulations to all the curling babies over the summer. Yeah, there have been quite a few. Uh, yeah. Too much for us to keep track of. But uh, check out Twitter or Instagram. Yeah, there was one, it was somebody who played in the Scotties who uh, had a baby recently, and uh, it certainly wasn't announced at the Scotties that she was pregnant. It was Kareth uh, Eveno had okay. one the, from Team Saskatchewan. Yeah. And the second from Team Saskatchewan, too, Jesse Hunkin. Yeah. Also had a baby very recently. Yeah, so all sorts of babies coming Front out. Front-end babies. Yeah, so exciting times. Congratulations to all those who are welcoming new members of their family. It's exciting times for them on the personal front. And certainly we hope that things get resolved in the world so that you know grandparents and extended family and friends can all come together and celebrate and all that fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think I think uh, friends I have who are you know have had babies are gradually getting into the you know better family situation where the grandparents are in the bubble. Yeah. So uh, it's it's getting better. So let's hope for continued continued success. Absolutely. So uh, so that'll do it for this week's episode. Thank you everybody for listening. If you have not yet, please do subscribe to the show wherever it is you get your podcast. Give us the likes, the ratings, the comments, all that stuff helps other people find the show and keeps us going. You can also follow along with everything going on on Instagram and Twitter at Game of Stones Pod. And of course, you can also follow us on Facebook where we're continuing our Monday chats with the guys from Rocks Across the Pond. Scott, we had our least watched one today as we played a season of Survivor. <laughs> Yeah, our least watch, but uh, you know, the one nearest and dearest to my heart. So it was uh, fun. Definitely, it was, it was fun. fun. To do. Check out the video on Facebook uh, to see which curler took away the championship belt, became the sole survivor. Uh, also, Sean, on our website on GameOfStonesPod.com, I've posted a link to the simulator with everything set up. So if anybody wants to simulate their own season. Yeah. Uh, click that link and it'll take you to the Brant Steel with all of the good stuff input to get yeah. all those uh, all those players. Yeah, I was thinking, Scott, if we do one again, we should do it with curling podcasters. I think we could get to sixteen. I think we could. I think we could. Did did Kevin Martin add you as a friend on Facebook? <laughs> he did not. He did not. I listened to the girls' podcast uh, not too long ago, so. 
Yeah, Kevin Martin is just uh, hitting everybody up. He's sliding into everybody's DMs. Like, he didn't ask me either, but he, I think he asked uh, Jonathan. Yeah, he did. Yikes. But we, Yikes. Didn't, uh, we didn't make the cut for Kevin Martin. Well, you know what? That's uh, too bad. <laughs> it is too bad. Um, you know. But, I mean, to be fair, Scott, they're the first ones to do a curling podcast, so how would they know that the rest of us exist? You know? It's uh, impossible for them to know. There's just no way if they like. Nope. There's no way to research it, so you know you nope. gotta you nope. gotta forgive them for that. No comment. <laughs> so uh, we'll be back with you uh, next week, but until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final.